Hello and welcome. It is Monday, October 24th. That's a very special, almost a very special day. Dom, you know why. Doesn't matter why, but you know why. Uh, but hey, it's a big show today also for many reasons. We're going to be talking about the Yankees a lot today. That's another reason why it's a special day. It's a Yankees are eliminated day. Oh, that's always a special day when the Yankees lose. Of course, of course, of course. But we're going to talk uh, maybe not a lot of baseball, but quite a bit of baseball, mostly Yankees. I think it could be September 11th, and if they lost in the playoffs somehow. <laughs> <laughs> somehow in September, I'd be like, that's a special day that today. That day would be remembered fondly. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't play baseball that day. No. Anyway. So we're, also, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball, the Lakers. We're going to talk, you know, it's football season. There's going to be a lot of football, and a lot has happened this week. Uh, not just on the field, but some off-the-field stuff, too. Uh, so, And we're going to break down, uh, I don't know, Kyler Murray yeah. and him again. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk some NFL owners. It's a lot of off-the-field stuff. That's or, I guess, sideline stuff, too. Sideline and off-the-field. Yes. But, uh, Dom, at that point, I'll let you take it away. All right. Actually, you know, I didn't even introduce us. I know. I got too excited about what we're talking about. That's Dominic Lorenzano. Uh, Of course, local uh, podcaster, local broadcaster. I'm Jesse Caulfield, writer for the Occupy Report. Now, you know who we are. Mm -hmm. Now, Dominic. Yes. Take it away to start the show. All right. I don't even need notes for this one because (laughs) I have been on this forever. I have been on this for years, okay? And I'm not even a big analytics guy, right? But you can even make an analytic argument for this. In baseball, you don't score runs in every inning. You score runs in maybe about two or three innings, right? If the game is on the line late in the game, why do we only have to use our closer in the ninth inning? What is this rule that we have to use them in the ninth inning to get three outs? Half the time with a clean inning. If the game's on the line in the seventh inning and the best part of the lineup's coming up, I want my best pitcher on the hill at that point. Eighth inning, seventh inning. You can even make the argument as early as the sixth inning, potentially, on how the game flows and what you still have in the pen afterwards. But usually, I think seventh, eighth is where we start having this conversation. So yesterday, and by the way, I don't even mean this just in playoff games, but let's ratchet that up another notch when it's playoff baseball. So yesterday, the San Diego Padres and the Phillies, San Diego is facing elimination. There is no tomorrow if you don't win this game. You spent how much in trade capital and prospect capital to get Josh Hader. Bryce Harper's coming up in the meat of the Philadelphia order, and yet they stick with Suarez. I don't get it. I want the best pitcher on the hill when the game is on the line. I don't need Josh Hader to face a clean ninth inning and face the last three orders in the Philadelphia lineup. There were no outs when Bryce Harper came up with one guy on base. You have the four Five and six. The best hitters in the Philly lineup coming up right now. You need Hater. It's not like you needed one out from Suarez. We need three outs and a guy at first. Put Hater in now. Put him in now. And John Smoltz on the thing trying to be nice. Well, it's a lot to ask for him to get six outs, you know? God forbid we ask a pitcher to pitch more than one inning these days. But even if you want to play that game, I don't care who he throws out in the ninth inning. I don't need Josh Hater for the bottom of an order in a clean inning. I need Hader for the game is on the line and Bryce Harper is coming up. Nick Castellanos is going to be coming up. Alec Bohm is going to be coming up. The best hitters in the Philly order are coming up. You're nursing a one-run lead, and you only need six outs still to go. And the three most dangerous, most important outs of the game 
are right now. It doesn't matter if it's not the ninth inning. Hater needs to be pitching in that spot. It is insane to me that baseball still does this. And again, it's not even just playoffs. It's during the regular season, too. The odds that you are going to give up runs when you have a clean start to an inning are pretty low. As I've said, you don't give up runs in every inning. So I want someone to do the analytics on this. What are the chances that now there's a chance I'm going to lose my one-run lead in the eighth inning when there's a man already on, nobody out in the best part of the order? I bet way higher that I'm going to lose the game in that situation than I'm going to lose the game in the next inning when I get to start all out with a clean inning. It's ridiculous to me why we have to always save the best pitcher for the ninth inning. Your best pitcher should be pitching whenever the game is on the line. And I've literally said this before. I would use my bullpen like this. And and I get from a manager's perspective, sometimes the closer thing is a nice cl- uh, a nice crutch because they can say it's not my fault. It's it's their fault. It was their job to get those outs in the ninth inning. So I would I would put my bullpen like this. I would have my best pitcher and I would make up a role for him and I would call it the fireman because his job is to put out the fire, whether it's the sixth inning, the seventh inning, or the eighth inning. That's his role, and I'd have a separate guy who's a closer. But my best pitcher is the fireman. Now, this is just for managers. I'm saying how you could do this and sell it to the media and not get as much heat. That's how you do it. You bring it, You put a name on things, and suddenly everyone's okay with what you're doing. Was that a pun? No. You name him the fireman, you're not going to get the heat oh, from the media? I know, I know. That's funny. That actually works. But I'm serious. You can Once you put a name on a role, like, Suddenly, you can get away with everything now. So that's how I would do it from a manager's perspective so I could get away with it. But Hayter needs to be pitching in that spot. And in general, your best pitcher needs to be pitching whenever the game is on the line, whether it's hmm. the seventh inning or the eighth inning. Absurd. Hmm. By the way, I don't think I got that on video. I didn't. Oh, whatever. Oh, did you take pictures? Yeah, I was taking pictures. <sighs> Ah, it is what uh, it is. So at least it's on recording. It is. Jesse. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> your here's thoughts. The, here's the thing. You didn't even talk. You, you said you didn't even want to get analytical with it. But yeah. I, I, before I even get to, I guess, the analytics, would you say, like, I mean, the Red Sox tried to do that a little bit. Mm-hmm. They, they, We were complaining about their use for the man at first, but the Red Sox do that a little bit mm-hmm. because they wanted Matt Barnes mm-hmm. to be the closer. Mm-hmm. But, like, as good as Matt Barnes can be, mm-hmm. He's not the best guy in that the bullpen. Mm-hmm. True. It's Whitlock. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, the Red yeah. Sox have been finally one team was doing it. Yes. There, there's an example of that and how yeah. that can work. Because mm-hmm. like Whitlock is the guy. Now to be honest, sometimes I think they let Whitlock go a little too long. Yeah. And that's know. usually how it would blow up in their face. But like, two innings, one plus one and a third. Yeah, and, and in the situation I'm talking about yesterday, if you feel like two innings is too much, I don't care. I truly don't. The game's on the line now when the best part of the Phillies lineup is up. If Hader gets it done, I'm pretty confident that I can ask somebody else in my bullpen to get the bottom of the Philly order out in the ninth inning, starting a clean inning. Do you think Hader was the best man in that bullpen? I think so. Okay. I know I know he had some tough times, but he kind of got better at the end of the year. You gave up the prospects for it. And the other thing is Harper is left-handed and Hader is a lefty, too. All right. Let me get analytical with it. Yeah, go for it. So, like, here's the stats. I mean... An ERA, or all right, five and a third inning pitch, mm-hmm. 10 strikeouts, mm-hmm. s- just a slight tick under two strikeouts an inning. Pretty good for a closer. You want that. Uh, a whip of .38, mm-hmm. ERA 
0.00. And he didn't pitch in four days. So I can I think that guy can get six outs. Yeah, I think so too. So Mo used to do it all the time. Mariano Rivera. Yeah. He was he was always. Yeah. Trying to get yeah, six outs in the playoffs. They would bring him in the after a long season. After he'd probably have the most saves in the season mm-hmm. every year, mm-hmm. and then he'd go be getting six plus outs in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it in 2004? I think Keith Folk in Game Four mm-hmm. against the Yankees, which we'll get into that later, mm-hmm. um, got I think nine outs. Something like it was crazy. I think yeah. it might have been. And Keith Folk in general pitched like almost every single game of that series. Yeah. And he like, did, you can do it. Their arm's not going to fall off. He was wrecked the next season, yeah. but that's okay because we won. Yes, but I'm not even asking. I'm not even asking Keith Folk it. No, like six outs. He one was time. also older that at too. that point. Josh Hayes is not that old. Hayden had pitched in four days. You can ask him to get six outs. And yeah. like I said, yeah. there's no defense of this. Even if for some reason you can't ask him to get six outs, get the three in the eighth inning. That's the most important one. There's a man on. There's Bryce Harper, Castellanos. Alec, like the best hitters in this order are coming up, and there's nobody out. So if Hader gets out of it, the next guy gets the bottom of the order, the worst hitters in the lineup with a clean inning. There's no excuse for why Hader wasn't pitching, and in general, this has been my thing for a while. The best pitcher should be in a different role. He needs to be more flexible than that. Manager's doing this to me. It's it's archaic, honestly. Mm. You think so? A bit. Uh... That no matter what. I must use my best guy in the ninth inning. No. Uh, okay, I, I see. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, I archaic. Because I the idea that like we need our closer to do multiple innings in the playoffs like that's that's an older idea that's going away. Oh yeah. Because, no. because it's, it's no, a, no 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 yeah that's not that's the that's, modern day that's not old. But but my my thing is what what is archaic in general is the fact yeah. that we have to save our best guy for the ninth inning. Sure sure okay. Ridiculous to me. Yeah, mm. but. We need to go back to the using our our relievers a little more in the postseason, oh, I know. if necessary. Yeah. Because like I, I I mean I've said this a lot like the pussification of the modern day pitcher. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Like why was Shane Bieber not allowed and to I pitch get on three it. days like, rest? I'm sure the they Yankees. want to use their arm mm-hmm. to like pour a cup of coffee when they're 80. Yeah. For themselves, I'm sure they want to do that, and like you know. All this Tommy John surgery. Like, people are getting multiple Tommy John surgeries now. Um, but, like, you know, maybe learn. We don't need power pitching as much. Like, just spot the ball. Yeah. Just spot the ball. Yeah. You can chill out for yeah. a few pitches. Yeah. We don't, like, sure, it's you very exciting. That, you, can save that, you can save that power fastball for when you absolutely yeah. need it. Is it exciting to see 99, 100 on the gun anymore? No. Not that not that exciting. No. Not as much as it was. Yeah. It used to be like, whoa. Yeah. Like this guy is throwing heat. Yeah. And like you used to be able to think like that's all he needs. He can pound it right down the middle. He's throwing a hundred. Yeah. Everybody does that now. I know. And like now you have to spot a hundred. And that's a lot harder to do than spotting ninety three. Yeah, no, I know. A hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. So uh, I thought that's a way to save your arms, bro. Yeah, that was that was about as bad as it gets manager wise to me. By yeah. What did Mo, what was Mo's velocity on his one pitch? Mariano? Ninety one? No, he was a little harder than that in the heyday. But it wasn't I guess. it still it still wouldn't tick ninety five. It was it was ninety three, ninety four. Okay. Yeah. He had that great cutter action on it though too. Yeah. Yeah. I no, know. I know, but no, like No, I know what you mean though. I I mean listen, Trevor He just put it Trevor Hoffman was great and he threw like ninety. He, he just yeah. spotted it. Yeah. Okajima threw 
86 to 89. He like wouldn't hit 90. It was exciting when he hit 90. I know. But he was great. I know. You could spot it. But in general, I don't know. I, I need to look on Twitter. I don't know if, if the Padres are getting ripped for this. I imagine that Melvin's not getting ripped that much for this because everyone's like, it's the eighth inning for some reason. Now everyone's oh, it's the eighth inning. Everyone's forgot that the Phillies even beat the Padres. People just are just talking about the Phillies. Yeah. If yeah. you wouldn't, if you just got the Twitter news since the game ended, you wouldn't even know who the Phillies played. Okay. Like it's well, just Phillies. Well, the Padres and Melvin should be getting ripped more than this. And in general, this is archaic mm. baseball. Archaic that we always have to wait for the ninth inning to use our best reliever. It's stupid. If the game is on the line in the seventh or eighth inning, the game is on the line right then and there, and I don't care about the ninth inning. Okay? You don't score in every single inning. If there's a great chance that they're going to take the lead or tie the game up and you have a chance to shut it down, whether it's the seventh or the eighth, go do it. I wonder how Josh Hader feels. I wonder how Hader feels. Do you think he's a gamer? He's, he's, yeah, he's got some of that mentality. I think he is. He pitched all the time. He pitched, he pitched multiple innings in Milwaukee in the playoffs. Well, he's the also like, you know, he's, he's a little... He can be fiery on the mound. Yeah, I know. So, I, I'm sure Hater's so probably I not thrilled at that Yeah, because his season ended five days ago. Yeah. So. Pretty much. And he didn't even get a chance to do something. That's going to be a very helpless feeling, too. Yeah, you're just, like, you don't even have a chance to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be rough. All right. With that, let's turn it over back to you, Jesse, with Rapid Fire News. Well, I'm going to need this back then. I'm going to need my. Why? I'm going to need that before you, though. Again. The news. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> the news. <laughs> Uh, so news. Speaking of, oh, guys, the Phillies beat the Padres in Game Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to the World Series first time since '09, where they lost to the Yankees. Speaking of those Yankees, they got swept by the Astros. And I know we're supposed to hate the Astros, but come on, the Astros. What what did you say? Like the Astros could like. Oh oh, this this team, any team, could be owned by Satan himself. Okay, yeah. And I'll still root for them over the New York. Yeah. I guess I'm a Satanist. There's, hey, yeah. Hail, hail Satan. There's, there's <laughs> nothing the Astros could do to make me want to root for the, the Yankees. The Yankees. So, as I said, hail Satan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. The Bruins, since we were last here, they went three and one. Uh, they, they beat the Wild. They beat the Ducks. They beat the Panthers. Uh, and then they lost to the, well, they lost to the Senators in the middle of the week. But hey, offense is still clicking. That's good. But now the Celtics, they started their season. They're three and zero. They beat the 76ers. They beat the Heat. They beat the Magic. We're talking basketball today, and it ain't the Celtics. But all right, now to the football. So off the field news to start. I will start with Robbie Anderson, who's traded to Arizona after a little blow up on the bench and getting bench or getting sent back to the locker room. He's traded to Arizona. Uh, I know we mentioned it last week, and we didn't really get into it that much. But he didn't. Did he play? Uh, he didn't play. I don't think he played. No. But uh, so then the big, I guess the big games and the big news of the weeks. So the Giants are six and one. The De- the Dable dilemma keeps rearing its ugly head. <laughs> six and one. Uh, but he Dable's loving it though. I don't know if you saw him after the game with the cigar, but he's loving it. Uh, they beat the Jags twenty three seventeen. Uh, the Jets beat the Broncos. They did not have Russell Wilson on hand. I was hoping they would go off on offense because that would be the funniest thing ever. And, you know, no offense, Robert, but I'm rooting against the Jets all the time. Uh, but they beat the Broncos 16-9. to uh, The Chiefs had a big game against the 49ers, and they handled them 
44 to 23. And then Tua made his return in Miami on Sunday Night Football to beat the Steelers 16 to 10. And that's kind of the big games of the week. A couple of them, you can't list them all. But then maybe the biggest news of the week happened off the field. Christian McCaffrey was traded Thursday night from Carolina to the 49ers. And, I mean, I wouldn't quite call 49ers the favorite to go to the Super Bowl because that's still Shanahan, that's still Garoppolo. Um, but this makes them maybe the favorite to win their division. This certainly makes them the favorite to maybe get to the NFC Championship game because this is now maybe on paper the most dynamic offense in football. You have Debo Samuel, the guy who had the most yak yards in the league last year, a guy who's almost half running back himself. Uh, I mean, I say Austin Eckler is the best back catching back in the league, but that's because I forget about McCaffrey in Carolina because that's such a forgettable team. But that's probably actually the best catching back in the league now. Yeah. Along with you're going to get Mitchell back at some point, who's a good running back himself, mm. so he doesn't have to carry all the load mm. in the backfield. Ayuk's a decent, I mean, you called him a decent three, but he's kind of forming into a decent two again this year. Mm-hmm. And Kittle, when he's healthy, is one of the better tight ends in the NFL. Mm. The line is getting healthy again. Mm. They love Jimmy, so that's good enough. Mm-hmm. So this team is, I know they just lost, mm. but obviously McCaffrey needs to get acclimated. This might even take two to three weeks. You know, it's a big playbook middle of the season um but McCaffrey will be fine and this team has the chance to march I'm not I'm not looking at their schedule right now but like I I just don't care it's the NFC why shouldn't they march even like their toughest opponent the Rams like they have their number so why shouldn't they march to the NFC championship game but that's still Shanahan so I'm not going to say Super Bowl (laughs) um yeah no I I get what you mean uh I I definitely think it makes them the favorite, though, to come out of the NFC right now for the Super Bowl because, I mean, who else on this team is doing anything? I mean, who else in the NFC is doing anything right now? I mean, the NFC is a hot mess. The Packers lost three straight. The Buccaneers just lost to the Panthers. Like, the NFC is a tire fire. Like, it's bad. Mm. So, and here's the other thing. I want to talk about this. There's a couple of ways to take the McCaffrey thing. I saw a lot of people crapping on San Francisco, like, oh, they traded all these picks for a guy who's going to get hurt in two to three weeks. Let me tell you why you're idiotic. Um, Carolina asked him to touch the ball 25 times a game. San Francisco doesn't need him to do that. San Francisco's going to, if they need to, like, to keep him healthy, they might even only ask him to touch the ball seven, eight times a game. They don't need him to touch the ball 20-plus times. San Francisco will keep him healthy. They didn't need McCaffrey really that much for the regular season. They want him for the playoffs and the big games. So they will make sure to keep the touches down to keep him healthy. I guarantee you Christian's going to be fine. I, I truly do. He could have the well, smallest he could have the smallest little injury, and San Francisco will be like, all right, just take a week or two off. Because like, mm. they can. Sure. They got Debo to fill that role if they want a Swiss Army knife type of guy on the offense. They'll have Mitchell, you said, coming back. It doesn't even matter their running back, though, because they get production out of their run game no matter what with Kyle Shanahan's blocking scheme. And you have Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. So, and a very, I know KC torched it, but it's a very talented defense still in San Francisco. Well, I mean, they're dealing with injury problems themselves. Yeah, they are. Um, Here's the other thing I want to talk about, though, with this. Um, I think there's another thing that San Francisco said with this trade. And I'm all for being aggressive and going all in, too, so I'm cool with it. But I think they said something else. I think they said that they're acknowledging that they whiffed on Trey Lance. Because you already lost first-round picks when you traded up to get Lance. And now they gave up, what, like the entire 
draft, basically. I mean, how many picks did they give for Christian? I think it was... A second, a third, a fourth. I think it was four picks. I think yeah. there was another pick. They gave four picks. They gave a bunch of picks to trade up for Trey Lance the other year. So, like, I think what San Francisco has said right now is we're acknowledging that we whiffed on Trey Lance. Because what they're saying is, is we don't care about the future, really, because we don't have a future. Our future mm-hmm. is now. So I, I truly think this is them acknowledging that they whiffed on Trey Lance. And maybe they'll give him a second chance, or maybe it's uh, all right at this point that they're just going to be like, ah, it's Jimmy's team from the here on in. But I think they're acknowledging that they whiffed on Trey Lance. And, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to see why, even though he didn't play that many games. When he did, he was playing with a great offensive coach and a super talented team and a great scheme that's usually very quarterback-friendly. And he could barely complete 50% of his throws. And then when it was time to give him the team, he chokes to Justin Fields and the Bears, a quarterback with almost the, almost the same age and experience level, right, on a way worse roster. And then you have video leaking of him making it rain in a strip club on strippers. <laughs> so, like, yeah. all these things added up, I think acknowledge, they're acknowledging in the building with this trade that we just whiffed on them. Mm. I And I know Twitter is going to sit here and say, What's not it? That's not a big deal. He's 22 years old. Let me tell you. I get it that he's 22 years old. You can be immature at 22 years old, but life isn't fair. And if you're going to get drafted as a quarterback (laughs) and run a billion-dollar franchise and be the face of it, you have to be more mature than your average 22-year-old. Is it fair? No, but that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. And he doesn't look like it is. And I know it's one video, and it's one thing. But my argument on this kind of stuff, too, has always been this. If I catch you on video, what are the things I'm not seeing? Yeah. Like one time? Oh, it's just one. Th- Come on. The only no, time. We he, saw him one yeah, time. The only time. You're telling me the only time he decided to go to a strip club and make it rain and make himself the center of attention. That was the only time. Yeah. And they just happened to I catch mean, it on video the only time. Come on. Come on now. No, Stop it. He's not. Like super famous and super recognizable yet. No. Jimmy G was the quarterback last year, mm-hmm. and like he's just taking over the the reins. Like he didn't have that Joe Burrow fame, that uh, Trevor Lawrence fame, just coming and like even before they got out of college. Mm-hmm. So we didn't rec- we don't recognize him as much. I guarantee he was at that strip club all the time. Yeah. And just no one recognized him. Mm-hmm. And I bet some people didn't. Is that Trey Lance? Yeah. No, that's not Trey Lance. What are we yeah. doing here? They just lost. Yeah. But then one guy was just like. That's definitely Trey Lance. Yeah. Videotaped. And it. videoed. Yeah. So Busted don't, out the phone. So don't tell me it's one time. Stop it. The only time is, is when they caught him on video. Garbage. Yeah. And you all said it was no big deal with Johnny Manziel coming out of college. It was no big deal with Dwayne Haskins. It was no big deal with Baker Mayfield. And guess what? Whiff, whiff, whiff. All whiff. Not mature enough. Too much off the field distraction. All these things. Don't tell me it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. And being a franchise quarterback means that you have to be exceedingly more mature than whatever your age is when you're drafted. And that's the unfair reality of the situation. Well, these, I mean, the NFL owners and coaches, they hire private investigators oh, to, yeah. to check on these kids yeah. before they draft them mm-hmm. to see, especially their first round pick. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that can end up being tens of a million dollar investment over years time so that they want to get it right that 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 changes the franchise right there Mm -hmm. you know that 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 can get them out of obscurity or 
keep them in the hole for another five years. Yeah, 100%. And talent, and the NFL's different. Talent doesn't matter that much. It really doesn't. It matters some. You have to be able to make the throws. You have to be strong enough to do that stuff. But this ain't the NBA, where it's like, you could be, you could be a mess off the field. You could have people in your team who hate each other. But if you're just more talented than everybody else, you're going to win. Yeah. But that's not how the NFL works. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, look at Tom Brady. Yeah. Over his entire career, I know he's old at this point, but you're going to tell me that guy is the most, like, athletic, talented dude. Yeah. But he's still the best. No, he's not at all. No. He's none of those things. No. If he wasn't an NFL star, if he was just a regular Joe like the rest of us, like, I would look at that man and be like, that's just a slightly handsome dude. That's just a regular. I mean, he's just a guy I bet he's sitting he's in an big. office. I mean, he is big. Well, he's tall. Yeah, yeah, he's tall. But, yeah, I know what you mean. But, like, that's just a, that's just kind of a handsome guy. I expect him to sit in an office. Yeah. And do, like, Jim's job from the office. Yeah. Like, exactly. that's that's what I expect of him. Yeah. If he's not an NFL star. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, he's not ripped. No. You don't. He's not. He's not, like, just, like, that lean, like, you could be a runner or a swimmer body. No. He's just kind of some guy. He's obviously fit. He's taking care of himself clearly very well. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't stand out to you. He doesn't like, ooze. You don't sit there and go, like, oh, man, that is a freak of nature. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not at all. No, like, look at, like, look how DK Metcalf is built. Yeah. That is a, that is a god <laughs> right there. Like, yeah. But Tom Brady? I don't know. Yeah. No, I Some, some dude. Just, just some guy. That's what he looks like. Yeah. But yeah. So I think, I think with this trade, I honestly, I think San Francisco is literally acknowledging and telling you that they think that they whiff on the pick. And you know what? I'm fine with it because you know what? The NFC's never been weaker. The Rams look vulnerable in your division, and Rodgers and Brady look like they might be on the way out. So now's the time, man. Mm. Go for it. Mm. I, I, I do see what you're saying, and I, I, I can't disagree with the saying. They're saying they're whiffed on the pick with this. Mm-hmm. Um. And I did look it up. It's a it's a second, third, and fourth mm-hmm. this coming the twenty twenty three, and then a fifth mm-hmm. for twenty twenty four. But I feel like if they not only if they get a quarterback in the off season, mm-hmm. that'll be like oh man. Oh, I know. Like, 100%. but I I see what you're saying, and it's just like I guess it's a subtle more yeah. trying to be like all right. Or it could be like, let's build everything around this kid when he comes back next year. I don't think so. Maybe. You're giving up almost your entire draft. I, I don't think that's how you do it. Well, I mean, other than the quarterback, <laughs> mm-hmm. this team is pretty good. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think they need the picks. I don't. Not really. Not yet. Listen, so that's, it'll, it'll I mean, hurt, that's my one argument against it'll that. It'll hurt them eventually. It'll hurt them two or three years from now. The Rams are going through it right yeah. now. But, yeah, it's not like next year you're like, oh. They could totally pick four or five guys that are going to make this roster right. No, that's not how it. The, the roster's too good for most kids out of college to be starting. <laughs> um, mm. So before we go to the breakout, like we usually do after the the first segment, let's let's quickly talk about some of the NFL trade deadline stuff. Oh, oh, no, oh no, okay. No, I we're, doing we were... That, we're doing that after. Oh, the okay, break. I see what you mean. Um, okay. Let's talk about the other names here on uh, on the market uh, here at the NFL trade deadline. Uh, let's start with OBJ. Um, there's a couple of places. Uh, the Vikings are one of them that's now. Near the top of the front. I think that one makes sense. I want to talk about one that I don't think makes sense, even though it just sounds great when you say it, and that's Kansas City. Mm. I don't think he makes a ton of sense in Kansas City. I think Kansas City's offense is, in some ways, I kind of like their offense more now without Tyreek Hill because it's not dependent on one or two guys. 
when you added Scantling and Juju, you gave multiple options, and none of them are so elite that the defense can focus on just that. I think it's made Mahomes more patient. I think it's made Mahomes uh, just more dialed in and disciplined and going through reads. I like their offense without the superstar wide receiver to beat everybody over the top. I don't think they need OBJ. I think they should look to add a pass rusher or somebody to clog up the middle because they've still done a bad job on run defense. I don't like OBJ to Kansas City. Mm. I would like it if it was just a one-year deal. Mm. Like, because it's, I think this, I've said, like, I like I like what they've done with this offense, actually. It's kind of allowed it to keep going mm-hmm. and allowed them to at least try to start to fix the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you said, like, the run defense is still mm-hmm. crap. Um, uh, Wilson Jr. ran all over them yesterday, even though the 49ers lost pretty bad. Um, but I, I think a one-year deal would be probably a great benefit because OBJ, I'm sure, is I mean, we know he's getting interest, but he's, I'm sure he's not getting a lot of interest because that's his second major knee injury. Um, he's, I don't know how old he is at this point, but he's decently into his 30s, I got to believe. Um, so going to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, like he won't have to totally hold that load, mm-hmm. kind of like how he took over. I mean, I know Cooper Cup was still very dynamic towards the end of the season, but like he really took over as the number one, mm-hmm. especially in that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of maybe what was his downfall. But like if you go to Kansas City, he'll get that, like, hey, I still got it. Look at me, but I don't have to, you know, carry this offense kind of the way Tyreek Hill would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be a good fit for like one year. Mm-hmm. Down the line, no, like go go with this Juju, this Valdez Scantling, this uh, McCall Hardman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's even another one in there mm-hmm. um, as well. See, Not I to mention want. they're trying to go, um, you know, uh, running back committee yeah. by committee as well, and trying to get them all involved. Um, I, I don't. I, I just don't think I want another mouth to feed in Kansas City. I really don't. I, I just think it would work for one one year. Okay. And it would work for OBJ because he gets to show like. I still got it. Look at me because Mahomes will make a guy like him better, even if he doesn't still got it. So then he can go screw someone else over and get a big contract somewhere yeah, else. That's true. Um, I think there's a couple of places that make a lot of sense for OBJ. I think Minnesota is a good one um, just to take some of the pressure off Justin Jefferson, add mm-hmm. another weapon to the offense um, with an offensive coach. Uh, but the other ones, uh, I think Green Bay makes a lot of sense. They're in desperate Whoa. need of a veteran wide receiver. What's who the, the can trust? The sorry. only issue in Green Bay, though, with OBJ is. Green Bay is in need of a volume receiver, someone that they can take a heavy workload, 10, 11 targets a game. And I don't know if you want that with OBJ. I think you want him to be the big play guy, get plenty of targets, but like the workload stuff, I, I would worry about a little bit with Odell. That's why I don't think he's a perfect fit in Green Bay. And then the Rams, the Rams need him. They really, I guess. They, no, they desperately need OBJ back. Well, here's the thing about when you said Minnesota. <laughs> I know he worked with McVay last year, but he also worked with oh, Minnesota's new coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there could be some familiarity there. Yeah. It's just like, you know, do you want to live in Minnesota? Yeah. I know Buffalo is also trying to recruit him a little bit. Again, I don't think that one makes a ton of sense either. No, they got, I mean, they're, they, they have a lot of mouths to feed already and they need a better run game. But yeah. hell, I guess the minute Gabe Davis goes down or something, maybe I'm singing a different tune. But as of right now, I think it's a similar situation to Kansas City. Not quite as strongly as I feel about as the Kansas City one, but I still don't think it's a perfect fit in Buffalo. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think they need to focus on maybe trying to trade for a running back or 
Um, the next one, Chase Claypool. I haven't heard a ton about him going anywhere else other than Green Bay. To me, this makes to- total sense. Uh, the Packers need to get this deal done. I mean, you sold. I-, I don't like it. I don't like what they did. But, like, the minute you gave Aaron Rodgers that contract, you sold out. So you might as well do everything you can to win now and make him happy. Chase Claypool is a over-the-top, dynamic, bit of a physical freak, actually, kind of athlete, and someone with not an injury history, so he can handle the volume that Green Bay needs. Mm. We're talking 10, 11, 12 targets a game. I don't think you quite want to give OBJ that workload. You can give that to Claypool, and that's exactly what the Packers need desperately. Mm. I mean, I kind of think the Packers should be in on any wide receiver they can afford oh, they right should. now. No, no, I agree. I'm just saying why I think Chase is a better fit than OBJ. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't know if OBJ, if I'd really trust him handling that workload. But I know Claypool can. And they need a workload wide receiver. They need someone to soak up 10, 11 targets. Yeah, but do you also think they need a guy with uh, the speed of OBJ? <clears throat> just to, even if, like, you're not, just to take. No. Uh, like even a corner no, because they can get speed out of Dobbs and uh, Watkins, but they'll do it the way that they've been doing it when Aaron starts mm. to ghost them. And that's, you know, the reverses and the sweeps and stuff like that. Okay. Claypool's big. You can go get the 50, 50 ball, big, strong target can go over the middle of the field too. So no, I, I don't think they need the speed that much. They just need at least someone who is a down the field threat. And Claypool is. OBJ is. Yes, he is, but OBJ, I don't think you can trust him to handle the workload that you'll have to give. Okay. So, yeah. Um, any other trade deadline ones to talk about? I talked about I think Casey should be looking at a pass rusher. I think that's what they need. Um, I mean, we saw how big Vaughn Miller was for the Rams down the stretch. Now, Van Ingram, when they got him late in the season last year, worked great for Kansas City as well. So, Well, Buffalo needs a running back. Do you, Where do you think it, that should come from? Because to be honest, I think they should now call KC. Yeah, but those, those, those teams won't do business, right? Oh, now. no, excuse me. Not KC. San Fran. Oh. They should call San Fran and be like, what's Jeff Wilson Jr. doing? Yeah. Not much, it seems, in the no. future. Uh, also, they could call Minnesota for and Madison. Get, mm, maybe, yeah. I think that's the one that makes the most sense. I don't know if Minnesota should do that. Because know, then the workload that, will go back on Dalvin Cook's Yeah, shoulder. they kind of want the – they like the insurance policy. Yeah. I get that. I mean, a lot of teams are – switching to that that's kind of why like you know then we're not getting these giant games out of our running backs i mean there's been some Unless josh jacobs and chubb. walker sure sure yes <laughs> that but like i mean josh jacobs has had a couple chubb uh had a couple at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. um but still a lot of teams are trying to go by running back by committee mm-hmm. but at the same time that make them they might not want to give up their second one is what people want think because yeah. I, I really don't think minnesota should no i kind of don't because dalvin cook is He's not really that like oh we're gonna lose him for the season that guy. But he gets nicked up. Yeah, he's he's gonna lose miss two, a game or two here and there as the season goes on. And uh, with that with with Minnesota luck, it's gonna be the biggest game of the season, right? Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get, I get your point there. I think you got to call though if you're Buffalo. But I think Jeff Wilson, you're right. Oh, that call everybody. Lo- that makes a lot of sense. And you know, San Francisco needs picks, so you're like, hey, sixth, seventh round pick. Excuse yeah. Jeff Wilson. And like. Buffalo also is selling out right now. Oh, yeah. Because one, one Super Bowl would mean the world to oh, Buffalo. Yeah. Oh, I know. But, yeah, you know, just, just be like San Francisco. You lost all your picks. Here's a six-round pick. Give us Jeff Wilson. Yeah. I, I mean, they'd probably be like, replace the fifth. I don't think Jeff Wilson is worth a fifth-round pick. Really? Not yeah. even if it's 
not this coming one, but the the next one that the fifth uh, they gave up. You know, uh, replace that pick, replace our fifth we gave for McCaffrey. That exact pick. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's it's only Jeff Wilson. I guess. <laughs> it's only Jeff Wilson. Let's let's calm down. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You can draft a guy. Like, <laughs> you just don't want to have to wait. But mm. I, I, I think I'm thinking six, seven. I think that's about what Jeff Wilson's worth. All right. Yeah. You can pick a running back up off the street sometimes, too. Like, uh, they should make the call, but but I'm going six, seven. Okay. All right. I think we're good. Okay. We're good. All right. So we are going to take our first quick break before we come back. Get into this playoff baseball talk more. The, uh, the downfall of the New York Yankees preview the world series and maybe a little more talk about that philly padre one stick with us guys Slow your roll. Some quick breaking news here. My apologies to Robert Dokes. I'm very sorry for you. I'm very sorry. Sorry for all those Jets fans out there. Brees <laughs> Hall, torn ACL, out for the season. Damn. A devastating blow to a New York Jets team that was starting for the first time since, like, Rex Ryan. That he had pretty <laughs> decent teeth. So, tough, tough news there uh, for the New York Jets and all those Jets yeah. fans in New York. To some other New York news and stuff. Uh-huh. The New York Yankees eliminated in a full-on clean sweep by the Houston Astros. Mwah. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Absolutely lovely. Uh-huh. Um, I have done this rant. I have done this rant before. Anyone who talks baseball with me in my personal life has heard this a million times, and I'm going to say it again here with New York. The New York Yankees, once again, led the league in home runs. Big whoop. Who cares? Home run champs don't win World Series, and you don't even need to be an elite home run team to win the World Series. And this is why. Two big reasons. Playoff baseball, you are facing the best pitching in baseball. You don't get as many obvious, huge mistakes to hit out of the ballpark. And yes, you hit mistakes out of the ballpark. That's where home runs come from. Maybe there's one or two a year for a guy where he takes a good pitch and somehow gets the barrel to it and hits it out. But overwhelmingly, home runs come from mistakes. Offensive numbers and home run numbers always jump up in the wonderfully warm months of June, July, and August, but the playoffs <laughs> are played in October. And by the way, that last game I thought was a perfect microcosm of what I talked about. So Aaron Judge comes up. Uh, I think it was the bottom of the fourth or fifth inning at the time, um, but they're down in the fourth inning, and Aaron Judge... Gets into a ball pretty well in the deep center field. It looked like it might have been gone off the bat, but it's tracked down to the center fielder for an out. And that ball is no question gone a month ago and definitely gone two months ago, but it's just a fly out now. Judge didn't do all that much in the playoffs. He's a home run reliant player. On the flip side, the Houston Astros. All right, Yuli Gurriel takes a fastball low 
drives it the opposite field for a single to put Houston up four to three. Alvarez later, when their game is tied in the seventh, gets a fastball low, doesn't try and do too much with it, punches it through the gap of the first baseman and the second baseman for a base hit and ties the game. Bregman, the very next batter, fastball, inner half, doesn't try and do too much, opposite field, drops it in the right field, it's 6-5 Houston, and that was the ball game. Judge gets a mistake, tries to hit it a mile, it's a fly out. Alvarez, Gurriel, Bregman taking what given, go the opposite way, and know that we just need to score one run. Here's the analytic, guys. Analytics are made for a large spectrum of time, a large spectrum of games, big sample sizes. Analytic guys even try and tell you there's no real skill to winning one-run games. It's all randomness. And maybe they're right in a large sample size, but when we're playing in the playoffs and the best pitching, the games are all close. One run is the difference between winning and losing, and you need to be able to put the ball in play, make things happen, and do multiple things offensively. I gave the same numbers when I did this ramp before when the Yankees were finished uh, in the playoffs last year, and I'll give you the numbers again. Since 2011, World Series winners to not even be ranked in the top five in most home runs for a team, there is five of them. That's almost half the teams. No one's saying home runs aren't important, but to not even be ranked in the top 10 and still almost half the teams winning a World Series in that span of time tells you it's not that important. Six World Series winners in that same span of time, not in the top five, five of them outside of the top 10. Yankees in this time have six different teams finish top two in home runs, and they have no World Series appearances to even show for it. And since 2011, there have only been two teams that have ranked best in baseball in home runs and won a World Series. That's the Astros, the year that they were cheating, and also overwhelmingly had the largest batting average of any team collectively. So clearly they did more than just home runs offensively. They were just the best team at everything on offense. And the the Dodgers and the COVID-shortened season. That was a COVID-shortened season. You were playing baseball, if I remember correctly. They weren't playing baseball in the cold... September. Well, here's the thing. They Weather. they were, mm. but it was in a dome in Texas. Yeah, thank in you. In a neutral ground. All your playoff games, all the playoff games for the year the Dodgers won a World Series were in Texas in a dome. Yeah. They weren't in the Northeast. Even Northern California gets cold this time of year. You know, like, it's not the same. That wasn't the normal playoff experience. You were playing it under perfect conditions as if you were still playing in a normal regular season. So this is what happens. If you are over-reliant on an offense, on the home run ball, it will come back to bite you in the playoffs. And the Yankees struck out 41 times through the first three games. And I know they scored runs last night, but they weren't facing the best Houston pitcher. That was the fourth game of the series. When they were facing the elite starters of the Houston Astros, they punched out 41 times in three games. You can't do that. You have to be able to put pressure on defenses to make plays and be able to do everything it takes to push across even just one run because one run is the difference in winning and losing games in the playoffs. Mm. So here's the thing. I'm actually going to, I'm going to, I don't know. I don't know about pushback, but I'm just going to say some things about how I, how I feel like you're right. And some things that you're maybe left out. But one thing I'm going to push back is like, Hey, Aaron judge is 
not just a home run hitter. Okay, he's not. Because he batted 311 this year, led yeah. the team. He got 131 RBIs, led the team. Mm-hmm. He scored 133 runs, led the team. 425 on base percentage. Uh, uh, he got 177 hits, which led the team. Okay, that's true. And Aaron Judge, it's probably a bit hyperbolic to say he's just a home run hitter. However, he doesn't seem to be a big game player. Mm. And that's where... I think you're right about relying on the home run hitters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You need some guys that are kind of just there. I mean, not just there mm-hmm. to hit the long ball, get some instant offense, but you need some of those type of guys on your team mm-hmm. because remember that Red Sox team, they lost to the, it was David Ortiz final season. I believe it was 2016. Mm-hmm. David Ortiz was the only one hitting home runs on that team. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, they didn't have David Ortiz, but it's still generally the same team. And the team was good through the regular season, winning games, mm-hmm. but they could not get any instant offense during a big moment. They could never get a big home run. Mm-hmm. So, And now you look at the Phillies. They're mm-hmm. actually a lot of home runs this postseason. Nah, and they've, I don't want to say March, but they've pretty done pretty well mm-hmm. going into the fall classic there. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, but they're getting big home runs in big moments. Not just big home runs also, but big hits. Mm-hmm. They're getting timely hitting from a guy like Bryce Harper. And I know we criticize him here because he can really get into slumps, but he is a fiery guy. He's clutch. He gets big hits. Mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber, he gets big hits. Aaron Judge hits a lot of home runs in random moments, usually when they're up big, usually on the same day. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get big hits. Mm-hmm. So that's also the thing. Okay. I agree. I, I, I see I see what you're saying there. Um, but the game on Saturday when they gave up four runs to San Diego in the first inning and then ended up winning the game 10-6, to Philly didn't do that just on the home run ball. No, no, no. They had that, they had that monster inning, that big uh, fifth, uh, the four-run fifth inning. That wasn't the long ball. That was them putting the ball in play, making things happen, and a little help from some bad no, they, Padre defense as well. But yeah. the ability to put the ball in play and put pressure on yes. guys that they have to make plays in these big situations, that's what these yeah, teams Yeah, they didn't only, strike out 41 times. Yeah, that's what these teams who only rely on the home run ball and think that it's okay to just have a billion guys on your team that strike out a ton aren't doing in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Okay. Because here's the thing. I want to find that stat again. All those things I said Aaron Judge led the team on, yeah. and I left a bunch out. Mm-hmm. He also led the team in strikeouts, 175. Mm-hmm. So he batted 311, which is great. You love that from a power hitter. You don't really expect that all the time. But they all strike out a lot. Yes. So Stanton strikes out a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, even David Ortiz, he could even have those 300 seasons. Mm-hmm. Still struck out a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's just their MO. Mm-hmm. If you want a guy with the long ball, he's going to strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. So he needs to have that ice in his veins, mm-hmm. that gamesmanship. You can handle the pressure. Because David Ortiz would never strike out when it really mattered. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just, you know, he'd strike out a lot first inning, maybe first at bat. But he has, when it really mattered, David Ortiz is picking his pitch more than anyone else. And he's adjusting his swing. He's not yeah. trying to hit everything a million, you know, yards. Yeah. So that's the other thing that these guys with analytics refuse to do sometimes. They don't tell batters. You know, based on the situation, maybe you should change your approach. Nope. They're just, oh, I do the same thing every time. Same thing. And by the way, another analytically driven team is the Dodgers. And they don't do oh all that God, well. And they don't, they don't do that well in the playoffs. They praise So all analytics. you analytic guys, 
Show me where it wins in the playoffs. Show me the World Series for the Oakland Athletics. Show me the World Series that the Yankees are doing recently where they want to go all in on the home runs and don't care about strike mouths. Show me the playoff success for the Dodgers. Yeah. You have one. In a COVID year, weird, and you played all your games, as you mentioned, in a dome stadium in Texas in the playoffs. Mm. So show me. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The last, even uh, before I <laughs> go a little off on the Yankees themselves <laughs> a little bit, uh, the last World Series, the Red Sox won, was Dave Dom- had Dave Dombrowski kind of mm-hmm. building the team. Uh, he's also he's going to the mm-hmm. World Series with the Phillies now. S- he likes his analytics. But he's not reliant but on No. The, since the Red Sox got rid of Dave Dombrowski, I, they have more than doubled mm-hmm. their analytic um, budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the people in it, the, mm-hmm. the department themselves. Heim Bloom seems to love that stuff. And I, I've tried to, like, not be so critical of him. I think it's a lot of John Henry saying, like, don't spend my money. Mm-hmm. But we haven't. We haven't. I know we got to the ALCS last year. Mm-hmm. That was with a man like Kyle Schwarber, mm-hmm. who the analytics don't really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, obviously, one man's not going to march us there. But we can't. We're not that great of a team mm-hmm. without Dombrowski. And also, what happened to our offense against Houston? Yeah. Like, it vanished. Yeah, like it, it had a, it had a couple grand slams in like the first three games, mm-hmm. and once they said like, all right, let's let's lower the walks mm-hmm. and pitch around mm-hmm. Schwarber or a Devers, mm-hmm. a Martinez, mm-hmm. and everyone else, we're just gonna attack, attack, attack. Mm-hmm. It was it was all Houston from there. Yeah, and that's not analytics. Uh-huh. That's just the eye test. Yes, like all right. Stop walking people yeah. and pitch around this dude and that dude. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But all right. all right, let's talk. Let me. Look. Can I just real quick? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I was going to turn it over to you now to talk okay. about the Yankees as an organization okay. in the whole now. So when I was a kid, like obviously, like a lot has changed with the Red Sox since I was a kid, mm-hmm. but the Yankees have also changed since I was a kid. I grew up when I was a young a young lad just falling in love with baseball. The Yankees were the villain the evil empire we hated them we were i dare i say afraid of them but at the same time we wanted to be them now it seems they want to be us and it's almost uncomfortable if i'm being honest with you i don't like this obviously i like where the red sox have been able to accomplish the last 15 to 20 years but seeing the yankees what if I used to be just this villain mm-hmm. and they still are in my heart, like F those guys, but seeing them just crawl a crumb of world series. Let's just, I want to get there. They haven't been there since Oh nine, mm-hmm. since the Phillies have been there. Mm-hmm. Phillies got back first, which is actually kind of shocking mm-hmm. as sad as the um, Yankees have been for these last 10 years. And I don't care. They've had 30 straight winning seasons. You spend enough money that you should at least finish above 500. Yeah. Like, but how many World Series have you won in the last 15 years? One. Who know? And it's not even just like, like, ugh. I don't know. Like, it's, it's sad because I don't know if people heard. They got down 3 0. And every time a baseball team goes down 3 0. The 04 Red Sox. Does this team, can they, do they have that heart? Do they have that drive? Can they be like the 04 Red Sox? The Yankees took it to another level. 
They called, FaceTimed David Ortiz himself, not Derek Jeter, not Mariano Rivera, not Jorge Posada. Um, I saw a clip of Jorge Posada is devastated by that 04. He knows his pop time and throw time on the Dave Roberts steal. Um, I don't have it for you, but he knows it. Um, but you called David Ortiz. And they to fire them up, they showed clips of the 2004 Red Sox beating the Yankees. It didn't work. Shocker, that didn't work. Like, that's not... First of all, that's not how you do it. You don't watch the people that did it before you. Yeah, I was going to say, your organization is showing the most embarrassing moment of its organization's lifetime that's, to try and pump up its team now? Yes. That's not good. That's no. a loser mentality no. right there. No, when I was a kid, the Yankees' mentality was, we're going to buy the best players. We don't care. This team will have all the best. We will be the best. We will not only win, we will stomp out the competition. This is the... Roger Clemens said it himself. I remember he was getting interviewed. He goes, anytime the Yankees do not make a World Series and win, it's an off season for them. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a... That's the mentality. That's an insane mentality, but that's what it was. That's what the Yankees were when I was a little kid in the 90s and the early 2000s. And when I was a little kid, they made the World Series, I don't know how many times in the 90s exactly, but it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I watched them in the World Series in 01. I watched them in the World Series in 03, and I knew they were going back in 04, mm-hmm. and then they didn't. Mm. Um, but there was also just, oh, we we're getting A-Rod, and then they took him right out from under us. Oh, these Yankees again. Mm-hmm. They've taken guys like Johnny Damon from us, like, no, that's our guy. Wade Boggs rode a horse around Yankee Stadium, and then we retired his number. I know that was kind of recent. That's still embarrassing. What are you doing, Red Sox? Mm. Get rid of that. Mm. But, like, now, because it was always one, we want to be the Yankees. We want to be them. 26 rings. I know it's 27 now, but when I was a kid, it was 26. Mm-hmm. So, but now they're watching clips of the Red Sox to fire them up. Like I said, that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be our daddy. Remember that? Pedro Martinez. I don't know if you saw the clip mm. on MLB Network because that's who's your daddy, blah, 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 before. That was fun. Um, he asks, like, hey, you got to ask yourselves, who's your daddy now? It seems to be the Astros. Because this is now the third time in the playoffs Yankee fans have been like, we want, it was two times with the Red Sox, didn't go well each time. Now, yes, we want the Astros. And you got swept. Swept. And not only did you get swept, you embarrassed yourself while you were doing it, complaining about how the roof is open what team am I watching here? That's not the Yankees that I know. That's not the Yankees that I hate. That's a team that I pity at this point. That's pathetic. Though the roof is open. He only hit it like 93 miles an hour off the bat. Okay. It's a short, yeah, it's a short fence in uh, left field. Okay, it's a short fence in your right field, bro. Yeah. Like your stadium's a, a Little League park. Like just the bitching, the whining, like... Joe Torre is a menacing figure. Aaron Boone is a bitch. <laughs> like Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, uh, Jorge Posada, uh, Bernie Williams, Hideki Matsui. I feared all these guys. They were all great. They all were a hit, tremendous team. Jason Giambi. There's another one. 
uh, Alfonso Soriano. Like, these are great players. Some of them cheaters, Gary Sheffield, Alex Rodriguez, Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens. But they were also in a time that everyone was cheating, and they were great even when they weren't cheating. Mike Mussina, he wasn't a cheater. Don't want to put him in there. But all these players, these tremendously great – it's not still recording. I wouldn't even be able to send it out at that point. Um, But, like, these were the guys that I just feared on a daily basis. I never wanted to see them come up to the plate. I wanted those guys on my team. I wanted guys like that. I argued, no, Mark Garcia-Parr is better than Derek Jeter. And he was, but he didn't have the rings. And he couldn't stay healthy. So it didn't work out. This Yankee, the Yankees, they miss George Steinbrenner. They do. George Steinbrenner put a fear of God into the organization. Yeah. He would, it, it, and he put a mentality. I mean, if you watch The Captain and all that, George Steinbrenner put so much pressure on them all the time. By the time they got to the playoffs, it wasn't pressure. They were just used to playing baseball no, like yeah, this. Yeah. Like, any loss, any failure in a moment, even in the regular season, was such a big deal that once they got to the playoffs, it wasn't a big deal anymore. That was just every day. This is no different. And Steinbrenner wouldn't have made these excuses for Aaron Boone. Steinbrenner wouldn't have made these excuses for Brian Cashman not being able to get the big deal done when they need it done. He wouldn't have made these excuses. Cashman wouldn't still be here. Boone would not still be here. Right? Yeah. This would not No, no, be, no, not at all. This would not be tolerated. If Steinbrenner was still there. No, no, that no. That organization misses George Steinbrenner. No. No, Joe Torre was the best coach in the league. And I think it was I think Steinbrenner was still alive. Mm-hmm. And he, he he was like, Bro, I want to kick you out. Why don't we have a World War Series in two years, three years? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And then then he passed. Mm-hmm. And I've crapped on Steinbrenner. I in some ways think he's kind of a little like he'd kind of get other a lot of other people to be his yeah. his strong arm, but the organizational pressure but, that he put on. But he was also very respected, mm-hmm. and they played for him. Mm-hmm. They wanted they played for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. They they knew it was it meant a lot to play in Yankee Stadium to wear those pinstripes. They, and the, like I said, I, I that's the ex- I promise this is the exact quote out of Roger Clemens' mouth. I know where he said it. It was it, it was the O three spring training, and he was it was. If you don't, if you're on the Yankees and you don't get to the World Series and win, that's an off year for us. Mm-hmm. And I, as a kid, I'm like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what the Yankees organization was. Steinbrenner would be furious. Heads would be rolling. Oh, they yeah. would be literally heads on spikes outside of New Yankee Stadium right now if they did not win a World Series in what's it, 13 years now? Yeah. yeah. That's insane to uh, George Steinbrenner. Mm-hmm. That's un- that's unacceptable. Like I said, Cashman would be gone. If Cashman wasn't gone last year, he'd be gone this year. Yeah, to be honest. But to be honest, when they get stomped out by Boston, Cashman probably would have been fired. Mm, probably. Because Boston's owned you now for, like, every time you've met in the playoffs. Yeah. Between the playoffs and in 2018, the big the big series they had late yeah. in the regular season, uh, like, to- heads on spikes. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, you'd probably never even get to the point of getting to Aaron Boone. Probably not. Because that's that seems like a Cashman thing. Yes, it does seem like a Cashman thing. It seems like a Cashman thing now that I can just do what I want. Yeah, and Aaron Judge would be a Yankee still. And there would be no question of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I think a lot, the, the Yankees would look a hell of a lot different. Oh, yeah. 
they wouldn't have Glaber Torres. They wouldn't have an Aaron Hicks. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't put up with a Gary Sanchez. They probably Stanton probably actually wouldn't be here anymore either. No, but he would be here, and then he'd strike out a lot that first season, get booed, and then Steinbrenner would be like, "Get this man out of my sight." No, I know. <laughs> I know. But I could see them going after a guy like Stanton, especially after oh, he put no, up fifty nine home runs. Oh no, no, I could see them going That's after. Vintage. That no. was vintage Yankees. Yes, but at least he wasn't making excuses and like. All that stuff afterwards. He's like, ah, yeah. he's not a Yankee. And like, even I don't care what he did in, in Miami. This is New York. In the playoffs, he's garbage. He's hot garbage. Yeah. Like, get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but even like the last Yankee team that won a World Series, 09, there was still, I know Steinbrenner was dead, but like there was still shades of that old school Yankee. Mm-hmm. Who was on that team? Like it was still like, there was still Mo. Uh, I know that was Alex Rodriguez' first um World Series with the Yankees. I mean, we're first in only World Series, period. But, like, they still had, I think, Corey Posada was still on that team. Derek Jeter was still on that team. But then they went out and bought Mark Teixeira, um, CeCe Sabathia. I think, I don't know if A.J. Burnett was still on that team, but he was another one that they kind of brought in to try to build a monster pitching staff. Um, but they were going out and still buying those players, and it worked out. They won the World Series in 09. And I know they made the ALCS, uh, I think it was the next year in 2010 and lost. But, hey, I have a stat for you, actually. The Yankees made history last night. Mm. First team in MLB history to lose five straight LCS games. Wow. 2010, they lost to, or uh, not games, series, excuse Mm. me. Yeah, 2010, lost to the Rangers. 2012, lost to the Tigers. 2017, lost to the Astros. 2019, lost to the Astros. 2022, lost to the Astros. (laughs) You may, you say, I will say this. The Yankees are still making history, Mm -hmm. but Steinbrenner would never stand for that history. (laughs) No. That's insane history. It is. It truly is. That is a weird stat to actually put with the Yankees. That's what I mean. Like, it's almost, like, uncomfortable. Like, you're supposed to be this menacing villain Mm -hmm. that's just taking everything from everybody. Yeah. But now you're just pathetic. I know. All right. With that, we're going to talk about the baseball playoffs in general. (sighs) I need some water after that. Real quick. I want to bring up, and and because it was so long ago and so many other things happened, my God, the pussification of pitching. Uh, why the hell is Shane Bieber not pitching in Game 5 in the ALDS against the Yankees? That was absolutely ridiculous. The Guardians would have probably won a game. I think they probably would have. They were like, oh, you, know, you needed everybody lined up for Houston or else they don't beat Houston. But I was like, yeah, but you got to get there first. <laughs> like, yeah. ridiculous. Aaron Savali, five starter, 4.92 ERA, <laughs> 10 runs allowed in two games. They had pitched in the regular season against the Yankees. That's what you turn to. What was it? I don't know if four it was, runs in two innings. Yeah, I don't know if it was Francona. I don't know if it was. Wait, wait, no, Savali didn't even finish the first inning, dude. Oh, he didn't even finish. Oh, he faced four batters. Oh, you know that? You forgot oh, well, I, I, I missed the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah, no, he he faced four batters. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, and you could tell from the moment that the game started, like he was he was nibbling. He was scared. Shaking in his boots. Uh, yeah, he he was not up to the task. Bro, doesn't he know and that you know the Yankees aren't like what they used to be? If you can't ask him to make that start. The and ghosts are Cle- gone. There's no ghosts in Yankee Stadium anymore, but Cleveland, bro. Don't blame Aaron Savali. Don't get on that, man. That's not his fault. That's not the man you bring out to the mound in that situation. It's absurd. I don't know if it was Bieber. I don't know if it was Bieber's camp. I don't know if it was the front office. Whoever it was. Maybe it was Francona, though. I doubt it. Whoever it was deserves to be fired. I just can't see the man that had literally invented the phrase, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And you know what? He's up for arbitration. Cleveland probably doesn't have the money to spend uh, to keep him. And they do 
well, they, they develop pitching great anyway. Mm. I'd trade Bieber, especially if that was Bieber saying he couldn't pitch that game. Screw you. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> get a bat. Get a bat. Get a bat and a prospect. Uh, anyway, though, so I thought that was ridiculous. Playoffs. The Padre-Philly, I Playoffs. have to say, was very – that was an entertaining series. It was. Though, I wish it was longer. I know. Even though if it was only 4-1, that was a wildly entertaining series with two very good offenses, uh, made a lot of things happen, but the Phillies are in the World Series. And actually, mm. it's been a wild playoffs, but that's one that we got right. Yeah. I mean, we got the well, whole ALCS right, but, like, everyone was picking Houston over the Yankees. Yeah, that's just, it's, yeah. That's just how the Yankees go nowadays. Um, but, like, I don't, I mean, you just, just look at the, how the Phillies, Phillies just clicking on all cylinders, it seems, mm-hmm. even their bullpen. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, you can look back at Dombrowski, like, he, it's not all about, like, oh, man, this guy, this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. But he it's just a playoff performer. There's just some guys that are just kind of average players, but for some reason in the playoffs, Kike Hernandez, I think is a great example of that. Yes. He did and it with the Dodgers. Kyle <laughs> yeah. He, well, he did it with the Dodgers. He's done it with the Red Sox at, last year. Like he was literally like, I think our best hitter, most consistent hitter throughout that playoffs. And you know what Dombrowski does? <clears throat> he finds guys that are his guys and he brings them with him everywhere he goes. Yes. Martinez was his guy. Schwarber's one of his guys. He wanted oh. to bring him with him to Philly, no, too. I've heard he does that not just on the field, but in his offices. He well, wants office makes sense. He wants his people. He knows his people. But sometimes the way the GMs look at things, sometimes, is, is especially in baseball now with analytics, it's very not about the players. It's just players as numbers. Whereas Dombrowski goes, no, 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 no. This is a big-time player who will play in big-time spots. My guy, and I want to bring him with me. They did it with J.D. They did it with Schwarber now, Boston, and Philadelphia as well. Dombrowski, I think he sees the human element a little bit more than, than most guys do. No, I definitely think he does. Because he's, I mean, he's been in this game for quite a while. Mm-hmm. He won World Series during the steroid era before we had all these analytics. Mm-hmm. He's He's been able to adapt to the analytics while still holding that a little bit of that old school baseball mentality, I think better than anybody else Mm -hmm. because he's let in enough analytics to say like, all right, we're looking for a couple of guys here, but there's something that analytics just can't put a number on. Mm -hmm. And it's like people used to say it about Tom Brady. It's just that thing that that they didn't have on their draft boards. Mm -hmm. And that's just that fire inside him. Mm -hmm. Just they, they have, they have the guts they don't get the sweaty palms in the playoffs. Mm. They don't they don't let the moment get mm. too much. The lights are never too bright for these guys, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's not looking for the best player, although he does like to get guys like Chris Sale. Like mm-hmm. He likes to add some big names. But you're right, he's got his particular guys. Mm-hmm. It's not every it's not just any big player. Mm-hmm. Like it's his particular that he needs he needs that X factor, mm-hmm. that Dombrowski gene, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he's, I don't know. I, I wish he was still here. I don't know why the Red Sox hated it so much. I, I, well, I know why. He was spending so much money. Mm-hmm. But he spends money smartly. And I've heard, like... Um, I, think, I know he whiffed on the Chris Sale one. That's the big one that was bad. A little bit. Uh, but there's another thing, like, he... You've noticed, like, the trade deadline used to be different. I remember that being different as when I was a kid, too. Mm-hmm. Like, so many big names. 
And not just that, big names for big names. Mm-hmm. Now it's a, it's a lot of that prospect game. And I understand mm-hmm. the way to really win a championship nowadays is to build within. Mm-hmm. It's not free agency. It's not really trades. But Dombrowski is a guy who still loves his <laughs> trades because everyone's afraid to lose a trade now. Mm-hmm. Dombrowski is not. Mm-hmm. Because, he's again, he's looking for his guy. He's not looking for the best player. He's looking for his man, mm-hmm. his guy to play in the moment. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'll give up. This guy who's going to bat 300 and hit 25 to 30 home runs because I, he's not going to do anything in October. Mm-hmm. But that guy who bats 250 during the regular season, 13 bombs, mm-hmm. he, hits, he hits 350 in the playoffs. I don't know what it is. He just does. Mm-hmm. And he gets on base in the playoffs. He steals bases in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's a great defender. That's what that's what Dombrowski's really looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Phillies are here. Mm-hmm. A team that was tripping over their shoelaces seemingly every day in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But they played great down the stretch. I mean, they actually didn't even play that great down the stretch. Yeah. They kind of they played a decent, I remember, like August. Yeah. And then September literally fell apart. <coughs> but now that it's October. Mm-hmm. And they got it done in the end in September when they needed the win. Yeah. They did. But they, they got the dubs when when they needed to. And and now now look at them go. Now now I honestly think like this they could beat the Astros. They they could stop. They could really beat the Astros. Mm-hmm. Really. So let's get into that now. Let's preview the World Series. You were thinking they can win. There's always that team in destiny. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think destiny is enough this time. No. I don't think destiny is enough this time. I think this Houston team is one of the greatest teams I've ever seen in my life. Really? There are no holes. Uh, they haven't lost a single playoff. I know. I, I know. I don't see it. I, I truly don't. The bullpen looks good. The starters are great. The starters, some of them aren't even just power pitchers either. Garcia and Valdez do a great job of inducing ground balls and weak contact. The bullpen, the lineup is deep with power and guys who can make contact. I, I just don't see it. I truly don't. I picked Atlanta over Houston last year. So, like, it's not like I'm just riding with Houston all the time or the best team all the time. But I truly think there are no holes. I guess. But Houston, other than that year that they cheated, and I hate to be that guy being like, mm-hmm. they're cheaters. But, like, this is their, I think, their fourth World Series in six years. I know. But they look. They seem like they're on a mission. No, no. I, I definitely, I'm sure they, they feel that themselves. Like, we're sick of being labeled with this uh, cheating scandal so let's win a world series and they'll shut up they won't i'm a patriots fan trust me they won't but you'll feel better i I bet you will um but i i just i don't this this and it's not even about destiny it's it's these phillies just they get the hits they even though their bullpen sucks they're pitching well when they need to uh i think i mean Nola and Wheeler, I think, could be good enough. And I, if they get ahead, like, I think that's 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 will be plenty. Mm-hmm. Like, if you win those first two games with Wheeler and Nola, mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you're starting for the next couple of games. Mm-hmm. You're gonna win two of the next um, five at that point. Mm-hmm. It's just come on. Mm-hmm. I get you. So this offense is too good. So pick pick right now. Who's it gonna be? Phillies. How many games? We going seven? Phillies in five. No way. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm going Houston in six. Because here's the thing, I know Houston hasn't lost the game, but Houston has 
you know, Mariners gave them a lot. Mm-hmm. I know they didn't win a single game, but gave them a lot. Mm-hmm. Yankees. And Houston passed the test. Yes. Yankees didn't give them Yankees puked either. all over themselves. <laughs> but that's the thing. How many, and I know it's, you know, they, you still have to capitalize. How many runs did the Yankees give them in big moments? There was a couple times. Harrison Bader dropped a fly ball. Mm-hmm. I know Judge ran right in front of him, but, like, catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Glaber Torres made that stupid, mm-hmm. it was easy double play mm-hmm. and just flipped it away. Mm-hmm. Like, the Yankees kind of let them do it a yeah, little bit Houston as well. Houston got all the big hits when they needed them and against Seattle, Houston though. has not really been punched in the face yet. Seattle kind of, I thought, gave him a pretty good punch. Listen, Seattle took a lot of punches. <laughs> and came back. And wouldn't go down. Okay, I see what you mean. Seattle never Seattle never really drew first blood, though. Yeah. They came and the back, Yankees, tied games, made games. Uh, game one, I thought, didn't Seattle have that lead, though, until you They did. No, they did. That was the one punch in the face that Houston got. And then they responded with that bomb in the ninth. Yeah. Uh, they got. A... But I get your point after that. Usually they had the lead and Seattle was coming back. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I said it last week, like in that 16 inning. No, I think it was more than 16 innings. Even, yeah. A game like when it got to like the 13th, 14th inning, I'm like, Houston's going to win. Yeah. Like, I don't trust anyone in this Mariners offense to to get on base and string a couple of hits together. Yeah. So and the Yankees just th- didn't throw a single punch and punched himself in the face as well. Yeah. So. Uh, it's and the Phillies seem to be that that kind of boxer oh, yeah. that says, "Please punch me," because that's just going to make me punch you harder. I get you. So, yeah, I mean, coming back after giving up a four-run inning, which is also Diego. a Philadelphia mentality. Yeah, that really is. <laughs> Looking at you, fictional Rocky. Fictional Rocky. But anyway, all right, you're going Phillies in five. I'm going Houston in yeah. six. All right. Before we get to our next break, we're gonna go NBA real quick because mm. I have I have something to say. Los Angeles and the Laker fans. I don't like him either. Yeah, you know what? Do it. Give me, okay. give me the video. We'll have we'll okay. plenty of videos here today. Because you, you, you didn't get that first one. The Lakers are awful. They can't shoot a three to save their life. Gonna hit the button. The Lakers are awful. They can't shoot a three to save their life. But hey, Laker fans, do me a favor. Stop blaming Russell Westbrook for everything. Westbrook ain't the problem. He's <laughs> a symptom of what your problem is. And your ownership is awful. Why is Rob Palenka getting an extension? They were terrible last year. You let LeBron run your franchise. He ran it into the ground. Now he's bitching that he has no shooters. And he probably wants to go get Buddy Heal, but you should have got Buddy Heal before, even though LeBron told you to get Westbrook. This It makes no sense. Now we have Patrick Beverly here, too. They have the worst backcourt in the NBA. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. It's so funny because if you watch them play, teams literally just mold their defense to, like, Give them open looks from outside. We don't <laughs> care. We want them to shoot it. I think they were like, they might have played since I saw the stat, but I think they were like 23 of like 100 on three-point shots during nah, the season so I, far. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was in that, it, they were in the 20s and it was 100 and oh, like 30. it wasn't just 20s. It was low 20s. Yeah. It's, like nearly teens. No, it's, it's like, but the, it's also like it's over 100 misses. So I want to know what Rob Palenka and this Lakers team thought. We have LeBron James, who's basically a de facto point guard. We're going to sell a lot of jerseys. That's what they thought. A de facto point guard wherever he goes. Let's get a ball-centric guard who has no ability to play off-ball and can't shoot. What? Whoever thought that was going to work? No, you need to surround LeBron with shooters. 
That's what he's always done because he'll drive to the lane. He'll be the point guard. He'll draw the defense attention, kick it out to the open man and get the open looks. LeBron, to the core, is a guy who's smart basketball, actually, as far as, like, on the court playing. Jordan was like, hey, I want the ball and I want the shot. LeBron is, hey, I'm willing to take the ball and take the shot, but I'm also going to make sure that we just settle for whatever the best shot available is. That's mm-hmm. how LeBron plays. That's how he wins, and it's smart basketball. You need to surround him with shooters. Why they thought a older, declining athletically, ball-centric guard who can't shoot was going to work with this roster, I have no idea. <laughs> but Laker fans, it's not Westbrook's fault. Westbrook is no different than he always has been. It's your ownership's fault. Westbrook is the symptom of the problem. He is not the problem. Hmm. I think they wanted to sell jerseys. Maybe. But hey, Laker fans, but Laker fans, stop blaming Westbrook for everything. I can assure you, even when they finally do get to trade him, the situation is not going to be any better because Westbrook's not the problem. It's the people who traded for Westbrook who are the problem. And you, you, you've made a deal with the devil in bringing in LeBron, and that—that's just yeah. You're trading a possible ring for the team, the garbage show. And by the way, they're lucky to get that ring. Sure. <laughs> they were very lucky. This is, yeah. a, this is a little off topic. I tried to get this video and send it to you. Um, this was maybe like a week ago or something. Anthony Davis was streaming on Twitch or something, and he was playing NBA 2K. He's playing as himself. Immediately got hurt. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. That's so funny. I, I'm trying to find the clip. But but yeah, and you have an older declining player in LeBron, and you surrounded him with AD who gets hurt and a bunch of other old guys. Like. Where was the cohesive thinking? But uh, it's a lot of like, like, egos in, like in and what big wor- personalities. Yeah, but like in what world did they actually sit down in a room and anyone thought that this was actually going to be successful? Here's the thing. I'm not a huge basketball fan, and even I knew this was going to be successful. Can I ask successful. you, if Russell Westbrook was still shooting, do you think it would still work? No. Because Cause he's a ball-centric guard who needs the ball in his hands at all times to be productive. But also, like, Russell Westbrook, I mean, he hasn't opened his mouth too much because I still feel like even he knows he sucks, but he's still going to collect that paycheck. Obviously, I'm going to still collect that paycheck. Um, but when he, anytime he's on game, I've never seen maybe a bigger ego in my life other than like Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. So like, that's not, no, that's not a, that's not a guy you want in your locker room. Like, there's I, there's a reason the team he's on doesn't doesn't make it. I know because. You're all gonna hate each other by the end. I know. So, I know. It's, it's yeah. It's like what was it? Dwight Howard. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, dude. I know. And now you're putting Patrick Beverly with Russell Westbrook, who hate each other. Like, it's it's literally the Kardashians. <laughs> it's so funny. It's L.A. It's, yeah. This, it's Los Angeles. This team is going. To it's be Hollywood, baby. A disaster and so funny to watch all year. It's literally mm. just going to be the Kardashians all year. All right. With that, we are going to take our final quick break and get into our final topics. We're going to talk Kyler um, Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> and in general, I want to talk sideline eruptions and stuff in sports. NFL owners, a little talk. And then our Tommy report is really about multiple aging quarterbacks right now who used to run the league and now aren't anymore. And then our Darwin, as always. Stick with us, guys.
And we are back here at Slow Your Roll. Getting ready to finish things up here. A couple of quick ones. Um, I want to talk. It was a Thursday night game between the Saints and the Cardinals. And there was that thing where the cameras caught on the sideline. And Kyler's yelling at Cliff Kingsbury as he's coming, walking over the sidelines. Calm the F down. And Twitter makes a big deal out of it. And a couple of people make a big deal out of it. Some media people make a big deal out of it. I want to give credit. Some media people, particularly ones who played, um, it seemed to be more, started to make not as big a deal about it. And I want to bring this up because I think we're seeing so many more sideline eruptions and all these fights on the sideline. And we think it's a huge problem. But I'm telling you something. It's not. This used to be, and it still is the way it actually is. It's just we never have had this many cameras and this much coverage. So we're seeing way more of it than we ever used to before. But this is not your job at you know, an insurance company, you know, you just sit down and you do your nine to five and da, 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 da. Like this is billions of dollars on the line. Sometimes huge high stakes, people who will be publicly criticized, right? The stakes here are so high and it's such an in the moment job that like tensions are high and you have, these are a bunch of alpha males who are used to getting their way and they've had a lot of success and they're high intensity. And so you're going to butt heads. This yelling and screaming on the sidelines and stuff and these fights on the sideline, they happen all the time. They happened back in the day, maybe even more so back in the day, and they happen here today still. And it's not that big of a deal. I truly think the media and everyone else is making a bigger deal out of a lot of this stuff than it truly is. Mm. Uh, I mean, Mark Schlereth tells stories about the yelling and screaming he'd even do back at coaches sometimes when they would scream at him. It's a high-pressure situation, and this is how it goes. It's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, and I know uh, we've we've seen it a lot from Tom Brady over the years. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, I've never seen Tom Brady even yell at Bill Belichick on the sideline. Okay, but he yelled at Josh McDaniels plenty of times. He he yelled at... Josh McDaniels a couple times, but even those were never... He had that giant blow-up against... Um, and there, here's the difference with that. Brady and Belichick, I don't think Haven had that much of a relationship. What? what? They well, they didn't never went to dinner once. Oh, How I much, mean, I don't think they were, like, but like buddies. But, Tom... But that's part of it, what it is, too, especially now with the way the league is, quarterbacks and offensive coordinators and coaches are a little bit more... Um, because quarterback is so valuable, it's more of a even relationship a bit more. So you're going to have more of those tensions. But Brady didn't talk to Bill about this kind of stuff because he didn't need to. It was no, his, his yo, relationship was with McDaniels. You no, know, yeah, you used to have those meetings with Bill's all with Bill all the time. Yeah, You've I've seen those videos like Bill well, would be kept in the loop. But like in hey, game day, do no. you think Tom needed to talk to Bill that much? I don't know about game day. Yeah. I mean, you know, the game. you know, we'd see like, you know, when one of them's mic'd up, like you Brady would be mic'd up, they're just standing around and be like, you know, great day to throw. Yeah. Thought they all yeah, that type of stuff. But like, no, you've seen like the they Tom's in Bill's office. They they said like they did this every week, mm-hmm. where they would go over the other team's defense mm-hmm. to figure out how what are we gonna do to make the offense click. Mm-hmm. McDaniel's wouldn't even be there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's that, there's that famous one about like like how are we gonna deal with Ed Reed? And like, mm-hmm. what do we have? We have a disguise over here to get Ed Reed to like mm-hmm. come down and like that that one. Okay. 
Um, but like they would talk, they they had a they definitely had a good football. I mean, I don't know about good, but they definitely had a deep football relationship. Mm-hmm. I know it very much deteriorated at the end. And I know game day, they really don't have to interact all that much yeah. because Bills usually focusing on the defense. Yes. Um, but still, like, I don't see Brady doing it to Arians or um, the, that dude now. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. Brady would do it to his teammates a lot, to his coordinator sometimes. Um, but I don't know, doing it to your head coach, like that's and I'm sure here's the thing, I'm sure Bill bitched at Bill, screamed at Bill plenty of times in the locker room mm-hmm. practices meetings. Mm-hmm. But like even Brady like I don't know, on the sideline to your head coach, like I don't know. I don't think it's and a, there, there is also lines like what Robbie Anderson did the week before. Oh yeah, that's a different line. Where like you're threatening to fight your your wide that's, receiver coach. That's different. But and it's not like Kyler said "f you" or anything. What Kyler was there was a communication thing going on, and maybe they didn't agree on something. Maybe Kyler thought Cliff was being too panicky about. Something. I don't know. But what he said was he was just yelling, "Calm the down." Yeah. I don't think that's that bad. It's, it's not. I'm sorry. This is the way in high pressure situations and in high intensity jobs. And especially in the moment stuff, the way alpha males, I'm sorry that this is kind of how they communicate uh, when so you're dealing with other people like that. And you're used to bulldozing these people and they're used to it. And this, there, there is a lot of tension. There's going to be a lot of butting heads and it's aggressive. It's very aggressive when, when the chips are in the middle of the table. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this, you're not wrong. And this is definitely, I've seen far worse ones. Yeah. I've seen far worse ones recently, mm-hmm. but like, it's not usually, at the head coach on the sideline or involving the head coach on the sideline. That, like, that is the rarity. And, like, you know, with, when it comes with Kyler Murray, I, I understand. there's also that side of, like, there goes Kyler again. Well, I think that's why the, there is more attention to this than yes, usual. But I don't think this is that big of a deal. I truly don't. No, I mean, you know, I, I can't remember the coordinator's name for some reason right now. That huge blow-up Tom Brady had, it wasn't Josh McDaniels. It was the game against the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Brady threw a pick, and he's screaming at um, whoever the coordinator was. Blackwitch? No, no, no. No, no, no. He was in New England. Oh. This was years and years and years ago. It wasn't Josh oh, no. McDaniels. It wasn't Charlie Weiss, was it? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Um, who was the guy in between the Josh McDaniels? Oh, I, I forget. He went in and then coached Houston. Oh, Bill O'Brien. Bill! Yeah. I, was, I, had, I had Brian in my head, but yeah. I'm like, Brian, it's not his first name's not Brian. Yeah. Bill O'Brien. Because that huge blow-up he had with Bill O'Brien. Like, that was... I know that wasn't to the head coach, but, like, that was a lot. And that was, like, worse than Kyler kind of did. Yeah. So, But that's... Brady doesn't usually do that. No. I, I, but Bill I O'Brien's a goofball, so... I don't think it was that big of a deal. I really don't. But, eh, some people disagree, some don't. I think if you're going to have all these cameras, you're going to just catch more of this stuff than you ever did before. But I think this is yeah. far more normal... And we don't. Then a lot of media people seem to yeah, realize. That and we don't is. quite know what they were talking about. They could have just been like, um, "Cliff Kingsbury was be like, bro, we're missing the session after the game. We're missing the session. We got to play some Call of Duty." And he's yeah. like, "Calm down. Like we're we're gonna get out of here." <laughs> with a W. Yeah, <laughs> and then we're gonna go play some Call of Duty. I don't know what it was, but anyway, with that, Jesse, get us started. Talk some NFL owners. Okay, we have some drama. Speaking of screaming matches for these old men yeah. right now. So, I mean, I wasn't actually aware, but I guess uh, Goodell's contract is going to be up soon. And they're, they're, the owners are trying to figure out the details. Now, I don't know exactly who stands where, 
But for history, we can make some assumptions about who's standing where, mm -hmm. about don't mess with my money and stuff like that. Mm. And Jerry Jones, I'm sure, loves his money. And there was a heated, I guess, discussion that Jerry Jones was yelling at uh, yeah. Robert Kraft. And you don't yell at Robert Kraft. You don't know that. Excuse me. Um, so I assume Robert Kraft, who just had a wedding and Goodell was there, uh, is okay with giving Goodell some, maybe some more power, some more money. And Jerry's like, none of that. So I wonder how that's going to turn out. And I, I don't remember the exact quote, but is something along the line of don't F with me. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do, Jerry? I know, right? Like what, to, what are you going to do? What truly could you do to this man? You're not going to out Robert Kraft. He's literally one of the best donors in the NFL. I don't care what he does in the massage parlors. Mm. His football team, he developed a powerhouse of a football team. Mm -hmm. So, uh, But that's not the only drama going on amongst these NFL owners. Because Dan Snyder continues to be the worst man <laughs> in ownership, it seems. Because although I heard no drama in the Goodell front with that, with at least the contract dispute. But now, apparently, there's a report that Snyder hired private investigators to dig up dirt mm -hmm. on all his fellow, maybe not all, but several of his fellow owners <laughs> to hold as leverage if they ever try to out him mm -hmm. from owning Redskins football team commanders. <laughs> so he denied it. But is that not right up this man's alley? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a slime ball. He's that guy already. Yeah. Like we all know, kind of guys like this who are like don't give a f about anything. Yeah. And they'll just go after anyone and take anyone down with them. Oh yeah. Then add in the fact that he's a multi-billionaire. Yes. So he can get away with anything he wants. He really doesn't have to care about anything. Like, oh no. Oh, I think this is totally true, and I think it's part of the reason why I said this. It was the awful, awful Thursday night game that was Washington and the Bears. Al Michaels said, live on air, it is of my opinion <laughs> that the NFL owners would like Dan Snyder to sell the team. Uh, Al Michaels plays golf with these people. Al Michaels knows these people. Al Michaels talks. He's in the room. I'm telling you, with a lot of this stuff, he's in the know about everything. Either he just knows it already and doesn't give a crap about saying it, or he got told by some of them, like, we want it out there. Like, get it mm. out there that we want him to sell the team. Mm. I like I don't think I don't think that was lit. Like it was just during a game. The media didn't realize it, I feel like, for the most part. I don't think people realized it. I realized it. I, I think that was a real thing that he, Al Michael said. Here here's the thing. For a specific reason. I think I could absolutely see Al Michaels doing that on his own. I could too. Because I Al Michaels, especially in his older age. I don't but even if he does it on his own, I think he does it knowing that he's not gonna get pushback from the other owners. Oh. Like he's not gonna get in yes. trouble. Yes. And even if he does, he's like, bro, I'm Al Michaels. Yeah. Like people wanna people watch because of the games, but people wanna hear me. Mm -hmm. People love Al Michaels. I love Al Michaels. Yeah. He's iconic. I know. Um but I don't think it's the NFL like being like slipping him a card, being like just mention this. Say something along these lines. Because I think the NFL would love to get rid of Dan Snyder, and they know that's going to be a huge mess, and they would love 
to keep as much of that mess in-house as possible. Mm -hmm. So in announcing it on game that, hey, the NFL owners are outing, he thinks they're outing this particular owner, Mm -hmm. that's drama. Mm -hmm. And that's the NFL really, really needs to get away with that. Because their players are dramatic enough. Yeah. The coaches are getting a little dramatic at times. True. Not that bad. But these owners are also very dramatic for some reason. No, I know. So I, I don't I don't see the NFL being like, hey Al, say this. I just don't I don't know if Goodell would, but I think some owners might, because they want to oh, be known because like, they want it to be known that they're not lockstep and standing behind Dan Snyder. Heck, maybe, I think that's my thing. All right. We love to do this. On, at least I do. Okay. Al Michaels is playing golf with, I don't know. Jerry Jones. Or maybe Robert Kraft, but not together. Um, or just a couple others here and there. Just a couple owners. Mm-hmm. A few. Smoking cigars. They're on the back nine at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe a beer or two deep even uh, if there's Probably. alcohol. Maybe a few prostitutes with them. You know? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, and they're just, they all knew Exactly. They didn't know exactly what they were going to say, but they all knew they were going to mention it. Like, I think it's time for Dan Snyder to go. And just subtly, just all bringing it up one by one. They're like, it's Dan Snyder's time. Like, it's just too much of a black guy in the league right now. All saying that's because they know Al Michaels is standing right there and he's doing the Commanders game on Thursday night. Maybe there's something like that. But I just don't think someone gave him a card. No, say I don't. No, I don't think it's as big as giving him a card. But I wouldn't be shocked if during the smoking cigar cigars that they were like, hey. We want it to make sure it's known that we NFL owners are not standing behind him on this one. Mm. So, you know. I'm not even going to say it went that far. I, 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 maybe it didn't. Maybe it did. I, I, I wouldn't just think be shocked they, if it went that far. They all enough. just talked about it enough and were mentioning it enough to try and just put a seed in his head. Maybe. To say, like, listen, we don't like Dan Snyder. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they knowing that Al Michaels in his age is just like, Bro, I'm going to say the best thing, especially this season where the Thursday night games are garbage. I know, right? And he's just saying some – he's he's had some great ones this season. He really has. Mm. Um, and he's just going to say what he feels because yeah. that's how Al Michaels is nowadays. No, I get you. All right. All right, with that. The Inception tip. We are going to go to a very special Tommy report, a very different Tommy report. A little one. Well, uh, a big we're one. throwing some of his fellow peers in here, Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson. And we have to ask ourselves, is the league shifting? Is it over for some of these guys? Mm. Is the power dynamic changing right now in the NFL? What do you think, Jesse? Uh, I mean, it had to happen eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Russell Wilson almost feels a little too young for this to be happening. Um, But perhaps like his injuries last season and now, like maybe he's just getting a little more fragile Mm -hmm. because he's got the shoulder problem or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, this is, it had to happen. I think Stafford is another name we talked about maybe putting in here, but I push back on that one because I think Stafford's ones are very much, very more easy to explain than the other three we're talking right here. Now they all have their excuses and their reasons, but I don't think that they're so bad that it's a, it's a complete excuse for their poor performance. I don't think Stafford's even performed that poorly. Mm. And I think the dip in the offense is very easy to explain. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, with looking at these other guys. Because so, I would say the Rams have still beaten some bad teams when they were supposed to. Tampa's losing yeah, to Carolina. Sure. Right? But I'm also I'm having a little trouble totally putting on, on Tom Brady. 
Oh, it's not totally. Because, I mean, when... That's the point of this segment, though. We're talking yeah. about if it is or not. When Mike Evans <laughs> just drops a, a perfectly thrown ball in his lap where there is no defender within 10 yards of him and no one in front of him, it's hard to blame Tom. Oh. And we know Tom's not mobile. We know Tom needs a pocket. Mm-hmm. We know he can't move or improvise. That's just not who he is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to blame him. Mm-hmm. Now, how much of this... Could have been now. Obviously, Tom can do nothing about the health of his linemen, but Tom could have helped himself with his off-season antics, mm-hmm. how he acts, how he is presented on this team nowadays, uh, with how he with Arians and Leftwich and all that drama and uh, screaming at his line on the sideline, which I know Brady's been doing that for years. But then you look at, like, Rodgers. He's not playing with anyone, and again, that makes it hard to blame Rodgers. But there's another factor here we need to, to mention to solve for X, <laughs> and that's the fact that he's making $50 million, yeah. and that literally pushed out a star-studded receiver. Yeah. I know there's other reasons why he didn't want to be in Green Bay, but I'm sure if he was paid enough, he would be in Green Bay for at least one more season. He'd be like... One more chance for that ring, right, guys? And then Devontae Adams can go play on a real team in a real city. Um, But, like, he's got – I mean, Aaron Jones and Dylan are a great backfield. But when you're losing, you need to throw the ball down the field. And Sammy Watkins and Dubs and Watson and Lazar just ain't it for many reasons. I don't even want to be rude, but they're not that talented. No. Some maybe have potential. They're young. But Lazard is not a number one. He's just not. I like Lazard, Mm -hmm. but he's not a number one. Mm -hmm. And he's not healthy. He can't stay healthy. So, again, it's hard to blame Rodgers because I've seen a dip in his performance. But there's at times where I'm like, all right, that was a vintage Aaron Rodgers throw. But But there is a personality thing that this team needs that Aaron will not provide. And that is the fact that with these young wide receivers, you need someone who's going to be more patient. You need someone who's going to go back to them even mm. when they make a mistake. You need someone who needs to just make it work. Do you and think Aaron's not that guy? Do you think he needs to go back to South America real quick and on the bye? When's the bye week? Oh, I don't know. Take a trip to South America. Uh, get some more ayahuasca. Yeah, get maybe calm yourself down. Get a little more patient there. You know, that's what he said, was, right? It helped him be more in touch with his need- teammates and his friends you know what i was making fun of him for it and i still think it's not the reason for his success but you know what because so much of this is a head thing and a personality thing that this team needs you know what i might give him a ticket to go back down to south america and then bring nathaniel hackett and then the broncos no there's no hope for that (laughs) (laughs) all right bring nathaniel hackett and leave him there (laughs) (laughs) honestly that's a good idea (laughs) but then like russell wilson your coach sucks, and that's a large part of it. Yes. I do think Russell has become increasingly distracted off the field, though. Well, he is himself a distraction in the locker room. Yeah. Because, like I said, like, he – they're not the biggest fan of him. No. And he's so awkward. Yeah. Like, that Subway commercial, the Danger <laughs> Sub or whatever it's called. The Danger Witch, I think. Yeah. He's just so – he's just so – Cringe. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. He is so cringe. Like, he was kind of that quiet, conserved guy when he was first coming up, young quarterback. Everyone was like, damn, he's so good. Look at this young kid being so good. He already made the Super Bowl twice, won one of them. Okay. But then 
He came out of his shell. And I know a lot of that's his wife. We've mentioned yes. that several times. Be like, show more of your personality or something like that. Yes. Like, hey, we can make more money if you wear suits to the games. Yeah. Um, but it's just so cringe. Okay. It's so Michael Scott. Yeah, it is. And, and I'm going to say this is the issue, Mel. You can be dorky. You can be cringy and all that if you're just. If you're cute. Oh, no. No, no, I'm not, no, I'm not even saying like look cute, but if you're cute with it. Oh, but also like if you're just a football nerd, just be the football mm. nerd, be a little more quieter. Don't. The problem is now is he's trying to be famous. Yeah. And you throw that in. Like, you know, when the cringe guy is also now trying to be the most popular person in the room, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> like, if you, you could be dorky and awkward and a little cringy if you know what you are. But he's trying yeah. to be famous now and, yeah. like, the most popular person in the room and all the off-the-field stuff, and it's just awful. Yeah, he, he's that guy at the party that likes that everyone's looking at him. He just doesn't understand that everyone's looking at him because he just embarrassed himself. Yeah. Um, like, it, it's just gotten weird now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I think a lot of Russell's problems is, is there's this off-the-field distraction now. There's this hyper focus now on himself and his image. So I think that's Russell's problem. I don't think mm. it's Jets. Now, the physical stuff we can talk about, maybe Russell was more reliant on being able to move and run around than we previously realized. And maybe he's not a great quarterback if he's not able to do that. Maybe maybe he benefited from being in a city for that long. That too. Although he was good pretty fast. The so. jury is out on that. We'll see. But I think part of this is the off-the-field stuff also and, and the focus on that other things. I think it's largely the same with Tom. I think it's, it's off-the-field. It's the focusing on other stuff. It's for the first time ever. Both Russell and Tom, for the first time ever, have now thrown off the field stuff into way more of a focus than they ever did before. And I think the on the field product is suffering from it. Mm. Aaron is different. Aaron has always been very focused on off the field stuff. I think now it's the organizational drama that he has caused. Aaron has always been his own animal. And yes. And the friction that is always now in the building. Like when there's always that. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Like at what point was this going to be sustainable? How many times can there. Like when you're at a workplace where there's tension, you can just feel it. Even if you're not the one involved. It's been like three years of high tension in Green Bay. (laughs) Like how long was that sustainable? And then now you throw in the $50 million and the fact that it's young wide receivers. And he's not going to be patient with young wide receivers. So. That's my thing with Aaron. Well, he's never been patient. And that's no, why yeah. this is what I mean by he's, he's his own animal. Like there's I'm I know Brady had this mentality. I know Garoppolo had this mentality of when they came up into the league and they were there was an established quarterback ahead of them, mm-hmm. they thought to themselves like I can I can lead this team. I can do it better than this guy. But Brady was very much attached to the hip of Drew Bledsoe. I want to learn from this man mm-hmm. because I know I can take this team to the next level. I want to know what he knows so I can do, have what I know and take it to the next level. Garoppolo was like, I can do what this guy can do. But he still was very much trying to learn from Tom. Mm. Aaron Rodgers came in to a team that had a legendary quarterback in Brett Favre. Say what you will about what he's been doing now. Um, But on the field, man, was he a legendary quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And teams will just extend those players sometimes just to like, the memories just to like, Hey, you brought us some success. We're going to pat you on the back in your old age. Aaron Rodgers was immediately like, F this guy. I hate this guy. Get out of my way. Mm -hmm. Like, and although that drive is good, 
why do you hate that man? It's not his fault. Like, he was already here. He was already good. Like, don't expect to just take the reins. But he was just like, like I hate Brett Favre. He's in my way. And then anytime, like, they draft a kid, like, love. And he's like, why did you do that? Are you replacing me? Are you Brett Farving me? Yeah. It's got to happen eventually, dude. Yeah. Like, he's got, it's, it's too, he's too abrasive. Oh, he's way too abrasive. And uh, when you were as talented as he was. And he's a me guy. And you know what? A me guy works Kind of when you have the talent and stuff, but they don't need that now. No, that's the thing. You can he, be your own man when the team is good and everything's great, but they need someone who's a leader now, and they need someone yeah. who's going to bring the one riders, and yeah. he's not that guy. Yeah. So that's why it's even worse now in Green Bay, and that's why these guys aren't really getting better. Well, now that he's, like, he was good enough to be just, like, to win games as a quarterback— but he wasn't paid as much. Mm-hmm. So there's other people around him to do it as well. Yeah. Now it's just like he's still got a lot of that skill. He hasn't he's been pretty good to keeping up his health and he hasn't fallen away that much. He's still got an arm. He still can move. But now you're getting paid record numbers. So mm-hmm. you can you throw that ball well mm-hmm. to a very well covered receiver. Yes. Exactly. So they need more from Aaron than just now play on the field. So, but you're right. I think uh, I do want to just say I do think Tom Brady is being distracted off field, like oh, yeah. by AB. Like I have a tweet here from AB, real quick. Okay. Um, uh, Tampon Bay, Tom Booty, you dig? Yes, I do. AB, I dig. <laughs> I understand. We need an AB translator. Uh, we need an AB segment. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to put one in. But but AB is heckling Tom hard, and maybe it's getting to him. Maybe it's getting to Tom. I don't know. Just maybe. so we can't forget about that. Maybe. Put posting Photoshop pictures Everyone's of, going at Tom right of now. Giselle. He's getting people are getting mad on Twitter because he said the deployment thing too. Yeah. I, I thought it was stupid. Let's the let's, comment or the anger? The anger. Okay. I didn't think the com- come on, people make military comparisons all the time. With sure. I think we're just in this t- we built the man up now, so it's time to try and tear him down. And we all yeah. have to be thin skinned about everything. So like yeah. get over it. That would yeah. annoy me. <laughs> Um, all right, with that, we're but getting... AB is being a little weird. Right, with <laughs> Photoshop that, pictures. With that, we are getting ready to wrap it up. Jesse, get your video ready. Let's do the Darwin Award. All right. Okay. You ready? Drum roll, please. Ready? Go. This week's Darwin Award winner is the New York Yankees. I mean, for a lot of reasons we already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this ain't this ain't the team it used to be. That was embarrassing, mm-hmm. but you can't you can't be at one point on a hundred and twenty win pace. Mm-hmm. Talk about how like oh we're going all the way, and then have one of the worst second halves I've ever seen. You get to the playoffs, you stumble into the playoffs, uh, you talk your crap again, mm-hmm. and then you chant we want Houston, and then you get swept. Mm-hmm. You strike out forty one times in three games to do it. Uh, no offense other than maybe a judge home run, one judge home run, and Anthony Rizzo. Mm-hmm. And I respect the hell out of Anthony Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Just want to put that out there. But, man, the Yankees just found another way to embarrass themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot of just kind of all we talked about before because yeah. this is embarrassing. This is not the evil empire I know. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to push back on the Darwin one a little bit. But then when, when they started talking about – you were having David Ortiz talk to them and yeah. like the Red Sox thing, and I was like, okay, all right, that's that's that's, that's terrible. That's, that's that's awful. That's organizationally just awful. 
And a terrible look. Steinbrenner is rolling in his grave right now. He really is. <laughs> Actually, I would have loved... Ah, dude. Steinbrenner would have fired everyone immediately if anyone suggested... Let's call David Ortiz. Yeah. Because hey, they beat us. Like, let's watch videos of like. Like no. no. He'd be like, what? So you can get reminded of your failure? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Even though no one on that team. I mean, I guess Aaron Boone, but he didn't play. He's like, that's the pinstripe New York that you're wearing. Yeah. You don't need to be reminded of your failure. Yeah. (laughs) You're supposed to be winners. (laughs) Exactly. And it's oh my god, that's so. That is also cringe. I, here's the thing. I've never heard of anyone doing something like that. I know. Let's look at our past failures to push ourselves <laughs> to the future. Yeah. Mm, no. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't get the correlation. Sorry, I don't get the correlation. Yeah, unless you're trying to learn a mistake, like learn from a mistake. But there was not, that wasn't about learning Bro, from any mistakes. 2004 was— That was just supposed to be trying to be about motivation, that you could yeah, do it. Yeah, like 2004 was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. We've learned everything at this point. You know— why they did it. Yeah. They had the drive. <laughs> drive. Yeah. I don't know. Just awful. Anyway, with that, we are done for Slow Your Roll this week. Bears and Pats coming up. Yeah. Minus eight is the line, I believe. Actually, no. I got it. I bet it at minus eight for the Pats. It's all the way up to nine and a half. Mm. Listen, pr- gambling is hard. Sometimes make people make it harder than it needs to be, though. There are obvious ones on the table. I don't actually know how Chicago is going to score in this game. Okay. Like, I really don't. I thought you were going to say the Bears are going to cover. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm betting on the Pats. Okay. Like, I truly don't know how Chicago is going to move the football today. Yeah. Like, sometimes it really is that easy. Yeah. Like, I truly can't think to myself how they're going to move the football tonight. No, I, I was going to say, I think this is going to go very similar. Not, I mean, you're not going to shut them out, I don't think. That's, that's very hard to root for and bet and yeah. predict. But, like, I think this will go very similar to the Lions and the Cleveland game. Like, he's going to screw with Justin Fields. Oh, so yeah, bad. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I, I truly don't know how Chicago is going to move the yeah. ball tonight. Yeah, now that, especially that we fixed the run defense. Yeah. Like, and this isn't me being a Pat Homer. Like, I still don't think they're that great of a team. They no, still have like, major issues. And they're still not dynamic, but I truly don't know how Chicago's going to move the ball. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like 27 to like 3, 27-6. I'll go. I'm going to think they hit 30 points and Bears get 10? 13. That's a lot. I think they get one touchdown and two field goals. I don't think so. No? <laughs> Here's the thing. I think the Pats get a lead and play it close to the best. I will say this. Patriots at times are bad at containing the quarterback. And I think Justin Fields might bust off a couple runs enough mm, okay. here and there. Because I don't think Montgomery's going to do anything. I, I don't think he'll be able to throw the ball at all. And I think he'll understand that by the second half and be like, well, I'm just going to run it. All right. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my thing. 20... I think you're still going to cover and oh, all that no, stuff. 24 to 9. Okay, that's, nine. That's the final. What did you say first? Six? Uh, I said like 27-3 or 27-6. Okay. Yeah. Gave him another field goal or yeah. two. Yeah. All right. With that, that has been it for Slow Your Roll this week, guys. Have a great rest of your week.